Well, good morning and welcome to Scotts Hill. So glad that you're able to join us. Those of you who are watching us online, we're so glad that you're able to join us during this time. And one of my joys every week and one of my highlights actually is to be able to gather with you. I look forward to today. I look forward to us as a faith family getting to meet together, to celebrate together, and to worship together. One of our core values at Scotts Hill is to engage in worship. And when we talk about worship on Sunday mornings, we want to be connected together. First, we want to exalt God together. We want to edify one another together, build each other up, and we want to be able to evangelize the world in the way that we worship. So today's been a great time for us to gather together and to celebrate as a faith family. So I always look forward to this time. Well, this morning we're continuing in our series that we launched two weeks ago called Everything. And everything is not a discussion about everything there is to discuss. What we're doing in this series is we're looking at everything we have given to us by God for life and for godliness. For the child of God, we really have everything we need to live effectively, successfully in this life moving towards eternity. And so what we've been looking at is the Apostle Peter who writes to a group of believers before he is executed. And he reminds them in 2 Peter chapter 1 of the things that we have through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, two weeks ago, we began by looking at the essentials for enjoying everything in Christ. And Peter tells us there are three essentials, and these are the things we begin as a baseline, as a formation to understand how we have everything and what that everything is. Peter tells us that everything we need is found in a person, and that is Jesus Christ. At Scotts Hill, we are unapologetic about Jesus being the only way to a relationship with God the Father and the only one who can forgive us and give us a meaningful life. That it is found in a person, and that person is Jesus. But we also saw, secondly, that everything we need is formed by God's power. It's by His divine power that He's granted us everything from life to godliness. So it's through the power of God that we have everything we need. And the third thing we saw was this, is that everything we need is secured in the promises of God. That's his word. Through his word, we know that we can rest in the security of what God has said and what God has promised. So because of the person of Jesus and the power of God and the promises of the word of God, we really have everything we need as believers. And then last week, we saw that Peter, he, he, he makes a transition he says, even though you have everything you need, you need to supplement your faith with seven qualities, seven spiritual qualities that will make you fruitful and effective in life. And he puts it this way. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. He says, on one hand, you have everything, and on the other hand, he says, now supplement your faith with these things. He's not saying add to what God has done. What he's saying is this. There are certain things God will do. He is the one who draws you to himself. He's the one that gives you the ability to repent and believe. He's the one that forgives you of your sins. He's the one that seals you with the Holy Spirit. He's the one who adopts you as his children. He's the one that gives you eternal life. Those are the things only God can do. 
God gives us new birth. But then he says, you must grow in your spiritual life. You are responsible for your spiritual growth. And so to grow spiritually, supplement your faith with these things. And then last week, he began, we looked at the first quality. There's seven qualities, spiritual qualities, that we are to supplement our faith with. Last week, we saw that we have everything we need to pursue moral excellence. That's virtue. Everything we need to pursue moral excellence. What is he talking about moral excellence? This is what we saw. We're to pursue courage with excellence. We're to pursue character with excellence. We're to pursue conviction with excellence. That's moral virtue, moral excellence. But this week, we're going to look at the second quality. And he says, you are to supplement your life with this quality. And here it is, quality number two. We have everything we need to pursue knowledge. Now, when we say knowledge, that's a broad term, especially for Peter. Peter uses this word 13 times in this little letter about knowledge. So what is he talking about here? Is he talking about just pursue intellectual knowledge? What is he talking about? The word in the Greek means this. It means a growing knowledge of divine truth. That's what Peter's talking about. That we are to supplement to our faith a growing knowledge of divine truth. That divine truth will lead you to spiritual discernment and wisdom for your life. And with spiritual discernment and wisdom in your life, you will know the will of God, the way of God, the purpose of God for you. And you will be effective in everything you do. So he's saying supplement your faith with divine revelation. What is a divine revelation he's talking about? He's talking about the Word of God. He's saying that the Word of God should be so important in my life that it is a major authority. It is the filter for everything that I think, I do, I feel, I pursue. Everything I do should be filtered through divine truth. Now, that is the Word of God. And when we know the Word of God, then we can know how to effectively live this life. Now, The Bible, consistently, is the number one book sold in America every single year. The Bible, consistently, is seen by Americans, those who are believers and unbelievers, faithful or unfaithful, understand that the Bible is one of the most unique and the most inspirational books. But here's the breakdown. We have a growing biblical illiteracy in this country like never before. And even Christians would say this. They would say that, yes, it is important for me to know God's word. It is important for me to know God's will. It is important for me to live like Jesus. But there is an all-time low of biblical illiteracy even in the church. We say the Bible is important, but we don't know it. And all the statistics are showing us today that fewer and fewer people know the Word of God. Not long ago, someone, it was a particular um, Christian college, had received some graduating high school students who had applied for admission to the Christian college. So they wanted to see what these graduating students knew about basic Bible facts. 
And I'm going to give you some of those questions. And they ask these students these questions. And I want to see how many of you, how you will do on these questions as well. Okay? So if you know the answer, just shout it out. If you don't know the answer, just pretend you do and shout it after everybody else shouts the right answer. Okay? So we don't want to leave anybody out here. So question number one. What do you know about Sodom and Gomorrah? A, they were sons of Adam and Eve. B, they were a married couple. C, they were cities destroyed by God. D, they were a hip-hop band. What is it? C, C, cities destroyed by God. 27% of these incoming students say that they were a married couple. 27%. Going to a Christian college, they were a married couple. Okay, it gets a little harder. Number two, who is Noah's wife? Zipporah, Nama, Joan of Arc? The Bible doesn't say. What? D, the Bible doesn't say. Everybody say D. Yeah, we all agree. 22% said Joan of Arc. It only makes sense. Noah's Ark, Joan of Arc. That was the connection. Okay, here's another one. Who preached the Sermon on the Mount? David, Jesus, Paul, or Billy Graham? What? Who? B, Jesus. 20% said Billy Graham. He had already died. No, he wasn't dead yet. So um, which of the following characters, this is my favorite, which of the following characters is in the Bible? Moses, Jesus, Superman, A and B, all of the above. What? A and B only, right? Yeah, 18% said all of the above. Superman is in the Bible. Can you believe that? Lastly, which of the following are famous Bible verses? For God so loved the world, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. God helps those who help themselves. A and B only or all of the above? A and B only. 83% said all of the above. Now, we can laugh at this, but it's really a sad case. Because what's happening is among our teenagers is just a reflection of what's happening of our 20-year-olds and our 30-year-olds and even ages up that we just don't know the Word of God. At Scotts Hill, one of our core values is we study God's Word. Matter of fact, it's the first core value. Why is this discipline so important? Because every other discipline in the Christian life is hinged on this discipline. If you and I don't know the Word of God, then we don't know how to worship God properly. If we don't know the Word of God, then we don't know how to grow in discipleship. If we don't know the Word of God, we don't know how to pray. If we don't know the Word of God, we don't know how important service is. If we don't know the Word of God, we don't know how to live on mission. If we don't know the Word of God, we don't know stewardship and biblical principles of generosity and giving. You see, all of those are spiritual disciplines, but it's the Word of God that hinges all them together. Because here's the truth of where we are in our culture today. While we might say that the Word of God is important, our understanding of doctrine in the church is at an all-time low. 67% of Christians today say that there is a heaven, but 20% of Christians say there are multiple ways to get there. 
And what we're beginning to see is that people don't even understand basic Bible doctrine on issues such as the Trinity and who is the Holy Spirit. They see him as a power and a force, not as a person. And what we're beginning to see across the board is when we do not know the Bible, listen carefully, we will erroneously hold positions that the Bible does not teach. And we're finding ourselves at an all-time low. That's why Peter says, supplement your faith with the growing knowledge of God's Word. Why? Paul writes to Timothy and he says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul is saying three things here about this passage. Number one, he's saying that it is proclaimed by God himself. All scripture is God-breathed by God. Every single word of scripture, every single sentence of scripture, every single paragraph of scripture is the word of God. It's the breath of God. You want to know what God's breath smells like? Open the scriptures. It's his breath. It's proclaimed by him. Secondly, it's profitable for life. Every word of God is helpful for the way you and I live our lives. And thirdly, it is purposeful. God uses it to change our thinking, to change our hearts, so that we can know him and we can worship him. And we can be like him. Let me tell you what we need to do. In our churches today, we need to get a grip on the word of God. We've got to come to the place where we are growing in our knowledge of the word of God. And here's what I want to do this morning. It's a very simple message. Very simple. Every one of us will understand this message with no problems, with no complications this morning. You have in your outline just an outline of a hand. This is not the first time you've seen something like this. But this is something that I want to remind you of, and I want to help you to get a grip on the Word of God this morning. I'm going to give you six principles on how you and I can get a grip on the Word of God, backed by Scripture, and what we can do to grow and to supplement our faith with knowledge of divine truth. So you've got your outlines, you've got your hands. We get to write and scribble today in color, okay? So if you brought lipstick, use that. I don't care. So what do we do? We begin with your little pinky. Write the word here. How do you get a grip on the word of God? You begin by hearing the word of God. This is the most simplistic form of us growing in our knowledge is hearing the word of God. Romans 10 Paul writes, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It's always the beginning point of knowing the word of God. And I want to say this to you. In America, we have no excuse of not being able to hear the word of God. You go in some third world countries, they don't have the privilege of hearing the word of God. We could turn on a radio and we can hear it. We could turn on our televisions and we can hear it. We have podcasts that we can listen to as we're driving down the, the road. We have our phones with us where we can hear the Word of God. You can come to church on a Sunday morning and hear the Word of God. 
This is the most simplistic way of being able to learn God's Word. And I would encourage you to listen to the Word of God, not only just here, but in other venues that you have. Parents, your children first learn about Jesus from hearing from you. You have the opportunity to teach them God's Word. You have the opportunity to teach them biblical stories. When my kids were coming up, we had what was called the Bug-Eyed Bible. Now, that's what we nicknamed it. All the characters in there were cartoon characters and had really big eyes. And so the kids called them the Bug-Eyed Bible. And every single night, we would read from the Bug-Eyed Bible. And they would say, get the Bug-Eyed Bible, get the Bug-Eyed Bible. I don't even know where that thing is now. I wish I had it. But we would read to them, and it began by hearing the Word of God. Several years ago, we were recording our services, and we were actually on public television. And one man called me one day, and he says, Phil, I couldn't sleep last night. So I got up. It was 3 a.m. I turned the television on, and there you were preaching. And I listened to you and went right to sleep. I said, man, you know you're popular when they play you at those peak times of television watching, 3 a.m. But we can hear the word of God. Now, here is an alarming, sad statistic for any communicator. Any communicator will say, wow, I hate this this statistic. Here it is. People forget 95% of what they've heard in 72 hours. (laughs) They forget it. In four days, you will forget what I've talked to you about today. In four days, I'll forget what I preach. I'll have to go online and watch it. But here's the thing. Hearing the word of God is not enough to get a grip on God's word. You can't pick anything up with just your pinky. Oh, you might can hold it for a little while, but it is easily snatched from you. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, let's pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift from it. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. So not only do we hear, here comes the second thing. Ready? We have to read the Word of God. We have to read the Word of God. Now, here is what... Moses writes in Deuteronomy. He's writing to leaders and kings, and he says this to them. And it, meaning scriptures, shall be with him, and he shall read in it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them. Not only must we read, we need, I mean, here we must read. We must be involved in reading the word of God. Do you know that the average home in America... 87% of Americans have at least one Bible in their home. That's almost um, 9 out of 10. Almost 9 out of 10 people have at least one Bible in their home. Christians, on the average, have 4.4 Bibles. Now, I don't know what they did with the 0.6 of that, but there are 4.4 Bibles in every Christian home. We have no excuse of not being able to read the Bible. I go to third world countries. I went to one particular uh, um, place and I asked him, can you quote a favorite scripture? They said, are you talking about a scripture? Are you talking about a chapter? Are you talking about the whole book? What? They said, we don't have Bibles. So we literally tear the pages out. We hand them to each other and we go memorize whole chapters because we don't have access to the word of God. We have 4.4 Bibles in every Christian home in America. And according to statistics, here's how it breaks down. 
15% read the Bible daily. 13% read the Bible three times a week. And 43% do not read the Bible at all. They never read it. But if we're going to grow in knowledge, the Word of God needs to be a part of the routines of our life. Now, I'm going to give you three ways that I read the Bible, and I would encourage you to read in these three ways. First of all, I read for inspiration. That's my quiet time. Every morning I get up early, I read Scripture, and I ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me. I don't read large portions of Scripture. I read a small portion and ask the Lord to speak to me. It's for inspiration. But then there are times I read for information. That's the Bible app. If you have a phone, you can get the Bible app. You can get the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. And every day you can follow a reading plan. And this is my third year on this reading plan. And it will be three years in a row that I've read through the entire Bible. Several years ago, we encouraged our church to do this. I had an 83-year-old lady came up to me at the end of the year. She said, Pastor, I am so excited. She said, I can now say that before I go to heaven, I have read the Bible through in one year. 83 years. And she said, I've never done that in my life. Thank you for challenging us to do that. She is now with the Lord, but she read through it in a year. So I would say this, read for information. Just read for information. And, and you learn things. And then as you keep reading, you, you, you have this little phrase, oh, yeah, I forgot I used to know that. Because we forget so easily. Thirdly is for application. We're going to talk about that a little later, but it's for application. So what we do, we hear the word. Find ways of listening to the Word of God. Read the Word. Now comes the hardest of all. Number three, study the Word. Study the Word. This is a challenge for many of us because we don't know really what that study means, and many of us don't know how to study the Word of God on our own. 2 Timothy, Paul writes to him and says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. In the Greek language, do your best to present yourself literally is study. Study to show yourself approved. So this is to believers. And all believers have the responsibility of studying the word of God. Now here's what happens. We think that that's the pastor's job. It is. And a lot of pastors don't give a whole lot of time to it. Study is my job. And I have the privilege of being able to study the Word of God every single day. But not only do I study for sermons, not only do I study for teaching, I study for my personal growth. I just finished the book of Galatians. And one of the things that I used, and I have a lot of commentaries, are some very simple commentaries like Warren Wiersbe. You see how thin it is. It's not real in-depth, but it is a wonderful source to help you study that as you read the scripture, you read along with the commentary, and I make notes in my Bible. Here's the difference between hearing and reading and studying. The difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible is a pencil. It's a difference. You write something down. Now, I want to say this. I want to encourage you to maybe pick up something like this, or the Christ-centered exposition, small commentaries, small commentaries that help you as you are reading the Bible to take notes and to learn. These are great ways, but let me give you some other ways that are phenomenal. You ready? Get involved in one of our small groups, either Sunday morning or off campus. 
Because every one of those small groups is geared towards studying God's word with other people to learn the truth, to ask the questions. You've got leaders in that. We've got a men's study on Wednesday night. Men, it's a great opportunity to study the Word of God with other men. Ladies, we've got women's classes and Bible studies all through the week. You can get involved in one of those. We've got discipleship classes. One of the greatest things we can do is learn to study together. Now, many people say, I just don't have time to study. I don't have time to study. Yes, we do. A recent statistic that was taken on the amount of time that people spend on social media is astounding. I'm going to give you these stats based upon the age breakdowns. For those who are 18 to 34 years old, they spend almost four hours a day on social media. Almost four hours a day. For those who are 35 to 49, three hours a day. For those who are 50 to 64, two and a half hours a day. And so we have time, and I would encourage you to learn to study God's Word. The greatest way is to get in a small group. If you're not in a small group, find one, get involved in it, and start growing in your personal study of the Word of God. Here's the fourth thing we can do. Memorize. Memorize. This is something that many Christians no longer do. Memorizing scripture. People say, oh, I can't memorize. Now, we do live in a time where memorization's hard, isn't it? Most of us don't memorize people's phone numbers anymore, do we? They're in our phone. We don't memorize our passwords because we can't ever remember them. They're in our phones. We've got some device to help us to do that, but we really can memorize. How many of you, how many of you have kids and you grew up with Barney? How many of you have kids and you grew up with Barney? How many of you in here and you grew up with Barney? All those who grew up with Barney. Many of you can remember the theme song for Barney, can't you? I love you, you love me. Let's go hang Barney from a tree. And, uh, you know, so the, the thing is, we can memorize things. When I was in ninth grade, I had a professor, a, a, a high school teacher. His name was Mr. Howard. It was American Civics. I still remember the line that he gave if you misbehaved in his ninth grade class. And you had to write 650 of these lines if you misbehaved. Here's what it was. I must make an overall conduct. I must, make an, I must improve my effort to make an overall conduct in my fourth hour American civics class. Now, I know that well because I wrote so many of them. <laughs> um, so um, we can memorize and so memorizing is a good thing. Proverbs, Solomon writes in Proverbs 7, 2 through 3, keep my commandments and live, keep my teaching as the apple of your eye, bind them on the fingers, your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Write the word of God in your heart. Why is memorization so important? Let me give you three reasons. Number one, it helps me resist temptation. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, what did he use to combat Satan? Scripture. That's all he used. He quoted Scripture to combat the enemy. So when you and I memorize Scripture, it helps us in times of temptation. Secondly, it helps me make wise decisions. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. It's through the Word of God that I can understand His will in my life. Now, a lot of people will say, I don't know the will of God. Well, what they mean is they want some specific will of God, but they're not living the general will of God for every believer. 
It's not until you are living the general will of God for your life as a child of God that you will know the specific wills of your life from God. It begins with understanding the basic things that God wants you to do. And thirdly, it comforts and it calms my heart. The word of God is a great peace. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. So how can you memorize? Let me give you some times that you can memorize the word of God. You can memorize the word of God during your quiet time. You can memorize the word of God when you're running or exercises. You can memorize the Word of God when you're waiting in traffic. I know a a person who said that he memorized 500 Scripture verses waiting at red lights. How would you like to be behind those red lights? You can memorize during lunch. You can memorize when I'm preaching. So um, one man told me he memorized Psalm 1 this morning while I was preaching. Of course, his eyes were closed, and he was meditating as well. So you can memorize, and to prove it, here's what I'm going to do. Everybody has this assignment for next week. For this next week, here's what I want you to do. I want you to memorize Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Write that down. Psalm 1. It's not that long. Well, it is. Well, you can do it. And and it's real simple. And I want to challenge you this week to give yourself to memorizing Psalm 1. It is so important. And so we hear God's Word. We read God's Word. We study God's Word. We memorize God's Word. Fifthly, We meditate on God's Word. This is something very few Christians have ever learned to do. Meditating is vitally important. Now, you've got a lot of groups that would tell you meditating is emptying your mind. It's not. Meditating is filling your mind with the Word of God. Psalm 119 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. What is meditation? Let me give you this illustration of what meditation is. It's like making a cup of tea. You ever make a cup of tea? You got a cup, you got the hot water, you got the tea bag. The cup and the hot water represent your brain. The tea bag represents the Word of God. If you take the tea bag and you just dip it in the water a little bit, You don't get much of the flavor, but you get a little bit of the flavor. That's like reading, I mean hearing the Word of God. If you dip it a couple of times, you get a little bit more of the flavor. That's like reading the Word of God. If you stir it around a little bit and leave it in there, it's like studying the Word and memorizing. You're getting some, but you're not getting all of it. But when you let that tea bag soak and all of the flavor of the tea bag permeates the water, then you get the full flavor of that tea. And not only does the water become permeated with the tea, but when you drink it, you get the experience of the wonderful taste of the tea. That's what meditation is. It's not just dipping the Word of God into your mind. It is letting your mind be saturated with the Word of God. And the way meditation works is like this. You find a scripture. Say you're having your quiet time. One scripture comes up. You write that one scripture down. You put it on a card. You might memorize it, but the entire day you just chew on that scripture. You let that scripture just permeate your mind and your soul. And then you become fed and you begin to taste the beauty of that word. And not only that, you will experience the very presence and the power of God in your life. That's meditation. 
And that's something we don't do anymore. And I would challenge you to take a scripture this week, write it on a card, put it on your refrigerator, put it on your mirror, put it on your husband's forehead, put it on the dash of your car, not over your speedometer, okay? But memorize and meditate that God's word would so permeate your thinking that you're transformed. Paul writes this, do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the only thing that renews your mind is the word of God. So I want to encourage you to meditate. Here's the last one, apply. We want to apply. That means we make it practical. We make it a reality in our life. James writes this, the half-brother of Jesus says, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I'm going to tell you, a lot of people are deceived because they have a knowledge of the word of God, but they have no application of the word of God. And if you and I are going to supplement our faith with knowledge, it needs to be an experiential knowledge that becomes a reality in my life. If the word of God is not applied to my life, then it's not working in its fullest intent. God says, my word shall not return void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. And God's desire with his word is that it never return void, but it accomplishes the purpose in our lives. And what we do is we learn to apply the word of God. Rick Warren has written just a really simple outline of how to make practical application of the word. He says, make it personal. Then make it practical. Make a, a list of how you're going to do it. Make it possible. And then make it prompt. When will I do this? And if I take the word of God that I've read and I apply it in my life in these ways then the Word of God can become living and active in me. It already is living and active. But I allow it to God to use His Word to shape me. There's an old proverb I used to use and I still use. It goes like this. I hear, I forget. I see, I remember. I do, I understand. And when I do the Word of God, then I understand the Word of God. We are to hear it. We are to read it. We are to study it. We are to memorize it. We are to meditate on it. And we are to apply it. When you do those things, you've got a grip on God's truth. You've got a grip on his divine knowledge. You've got an understanding of how to live faithfully and effectively in this world and to walk according to the truth. So this week, what can you do? Let me just give you some ways to supplement it. Read a passage of Scripture every morning. Number two, expect God to speak to you. You know, I have people as a pastor always come to me, I just wish God would speak to me. I wish he would tell me what to do. I wish he would. They don't always sound like that, but I wish he would show me his ways. And my response is, he has. Take your Bible, open it, and he will speak to you. Read it. You will discover his ways. Live it. 
and you will be purposeful. Nobody has an excuse that says, I don't know what God is saying. Because he says it for all eternity. Supplement your faith with the knowledge of divine truth from the word of God. And not only do you walk with moral excellence, but you can walk in a way that no false teaching or philosophy can cause you to stumble because you know truth. You know the U.S. Treasury Department, you know how they're trained to detect counterfeit? They never show them counterfeit. They only show them the real deal. And they know the real deal so much that when a counterfeit comes, instantly they know it. The problems with Christians in America today is we're so deceived because we're so exposed to the counterfeit and we don't even know the real thing. But when we know the real truth, then we can be faithful and effective in what God has called us to. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. And I want to remind you, Psalm 1 for this week. Memorize it. Meditate on it. And see if God doesn't speak to you this week in some ways maybe that might be fresh and maybe something that's new. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for truth. Thank you that when we open the scriptures, they're completely trustworthy and authoritative and that they're the filters for our life. Father, may we make a commitment to supplement our faith with the knowledge of your word. And Father, we will seek to know who you are through your word, how we can grow in you through your word. We thank you that Jesus is the living word. We thank you, Father, that you loved us so much that you've sent your son and he died on a cross and rose from the dead and is alive today. And you have given us all the revelation we need in your word that we can live this life in godliness. Father, enable us to walk in that truth and to apply the truth and to not just talk about the importance of your word, but Father, we can see the transformative process that you are making in our lives because of your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.